So, Alex, how have you been lately? I've been good, um, stressed, because every time the Raptors lose, I just feel this pit in my stomach, and I like have to ignore the media until the next game. Um, Did you have a rough, uh, a rough night watching them lose by one point? Well, I had a great night for most of it until they lost, yeah, and then coming home wasn't so fun. I stayed up late recently to get some work done, haven't had a lot of sleep, but mostly the Raptors are what's getting me down. How about you, Michael? How are you? Well, I got up at uh, 4.30 this morning to catch the train into the city from my uh, new house, which is currently a demolition zone. Uh, I haven't shaved in weeks. You're, you're living in the demolition zone? I'm living the in the demolition zone. Uh, I haven't cut my nails in weeks. They're about the, the, the size of an ac- acrylic nails. Uh, I, I'm showering less. Uh, I'm eating poorly. Uh <laughs> But please, tell me about how you feel about the Raptors, Alex. How's, how's that making your life worse? Well, it's like when a reporter asked how Kyle Lowry handles the pressure of the finals, he said, uh, you know, my mom and grandma commuted an hour and a half to provide for me and my siblings, made sure we had breakfast. They worked really hard to give us a life that they couldn't live. That's pressure. I disagree. I think Raptors are way more pressure than anything you're experiencing right now. I'm sorry, but this is, <laughs> it's a lot for me, okay? This has never happened to me before. <laughs> you're young, you'll learn. <laughs> All right, welcome everybody to the Canadian Jewish Schmooze. My name is Michael Freeman. And I'm Alex Rose. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to be tackling three issues. Because it's Anne Frank's 90th birthday today, had she lived, we're going to revisit a conversation we had on our last episode about the historical roast of her on Netflix. Next, we're going to be talking about some Yiddish words that some Jews still like to use, some don't, like shiksa and goy, and whether or not they're still appropriate. And speaking about what's appropriate, we're going to ask, do Jews really need to worry about Canada's use of the word genocide when referring to indigenous people. Today we are joined by, uh, I don't know if I can say this, maybe our, our favorite guest, Ella, oh, Ella Burkowski. I'm honored, Sorry, I'm honored. <laughs> Welcome back to the Canadian Jewish News. Thank you very much, thank you very much, Michael and Alex. I owe you a thanks, Ella, because it was your idea weeks ago to start a Facebook page for this podcast. You're very welcome. I think it's an important thing because now that you're doing the podcast, let's get the word out. It's a really good podcast. Why, thank you. Thank uh, you. It, uh, it took us a while. We wanted to get uh, a few episodes under our belt. We wanted to establish something before we started telling everybody about it. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook now, folks. You can find us uh, facebook.com slash CJN podcasts. Uh, we're also on Twitter, CJN podcasts as well. Uh, that's the whole CJN podcast network. So that's us. The, the CJ Schmooze, that's also uh, the Menschwarmers, our Jewish sports podcast, and uh, it will also be a launching pad for future podcast projects that we may have in our, uh, I- I- uh, up our sleeves. Keep your ears pe- peeled? Can you peel your ears? I don't know. I, <laughs> I should hope I'm not. stuck in the middle of that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of Facebook, um, we put a call out to anybody who had strong opinions about something we chatted about on the last episode two weeks ago, which was uh, Anne Frank and whether it is okay to roast her, as Jeff Ross did in the new Netflix show, Historical Roast. Alex, do you want to remind people who weren't, who maybe didn't catch the last episode, what we chatted about? Yeah, so um, this Historical Roast Netflix show is, depending on how you look at it, either a way to make fun of all these historical figures or educate people about the historical figures or perhaps not 
the two aren't mutually exclusive, but certainly a lot of people were upset that Anne Frank, who is kind of above reproach in the eyes of many, was the subject of one episode. So you and I watched maybe about half of it overall, and we both seem to agree that it was overall, if not respectful directly to Anne Frank, certainly to her memory, and there were a lot of like genuine non-comedic, non-roast parts from Jeff Ross about how important it was to remember her and respect her and what, you know, what an incredible young woman she was. Yeah, and then for the rest of the episode, they basically made fun of Hitler. Yes. Yeah. They basically wanted to make fun of Hitler without roasting Hitler because to roast him would seem like they're celebrating him. Yeah, that was that's kind of like how they show respect to people. As Jeff Ross said, we only roast the ones we love. Yeah. I, I did want to bring you on, Ella, because yeah. I know you... Um, a child of Holocaust survivors. You've written a book about the Holocaust. You've done extensive research about it. You were not looking forward to this episode. You were expecting to hate it. I'd love to know what you thought. Well, that's very true. I am I am the daughter of Holocaust survivors, and I did write a Holocaust book, and therefore I find that I am uh, very sensitive to anything to do with the Holocaust. Um, I take it very seriously. I don't think it's a joking matter. And I thought right off the top of my head, this is not funny. The Holocaust isn't funny. So after I got over the shock value of roasting Anne Frank, which I thought was ridiculous um, and, and so disrespectful, I thought, you know, take a step back and watch it. Let, let's watch it and see what it is, and then you can be really pissed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I did. I have Netflix. I turned it on, and I sat and I watched it. I watched it with my sister, and she's a um, she's been an educator for thirty odd years. Uh, she retired now, and I watched it with my husband. Uh, and we sat there quietly. I said, "Let's not make any opinions until this is over. Let's keep your opinions to yourself." That's an excellent rule that I do not follow in watching anything. Yeah, but you know what? Because then you start to to sway people's opinions when you do that. So I I didn't want to do that. But my opinions are always right. That's why I do it. Of course. (laughs) I feel the same, though. (laughs) So we watched it. We watched it. And there was a few. um, First of all, uh, I thought it started off well because it had um, an educational value to it in the beginning. Then they started to bring in the different uh, characters, uh, Churchill and Hitler. and FDR, actually. Oh, it was, sorry. It was John Lovitz the, plays right. FDR, and, and Gilbert Gottfried plays Gilbert Hitler. Gilbert Gottfried plays Hitler. All Jewish cast. And uh, there was a comedian. They, Don Rickles, was it Don Rickles? Played by his daughter. Uh, I wasn't sure what he was doing there, to be honest. Like, what does Don Rickles have to do with it? I wasn't sure. I I think they just wanted a comic from that era, and he fits in the vibe. Like, if there were a roast of that time, it would be Don Rickles hosting it. I I thought he was out of place. I I agree. Did he perform on the army bases during World War II? Did he? Oh, maybe that's why. I didn't know that. I think that's like the tenuous connection. I didn't know that. And then, of course, there was God. Yeah, God made an appearance. God made an appearance. Yeah. And um, and then of course Anne Frank herself, so uh, it, it it moved along, and I thought, okay, well, there's some educational value here, and then um, Gilbert Godfrey made this off the cuff remark, sitting on the bench there, something about leaving the ovens on, leaving the oven on. 
Jeff, Jeff Ross said, Hitler, you look nervous. And he said, yeah, I left the oven on. That's it. And I could have lived without that joke. <laughs> Did not like that joke. Um, but all in all, I have to say, after I watched the entire thing from beginning to end, I thought there was some real need for this roast. I think that after that uh, survey that came out not that long ago in Canada that showed um, some really declining numbers about the um, about people who know about the Holocaust and all the different statistics that go with it, like the six million murdered Jews, um, people don't know even there were people that do, didn't even know. Uh, one name of a concentration camp, or even what a concentration camp was, or a ghetto. And I think that because all the uh, survivors are really dwindling away, we have to reach a whole different segment of the population. And this just may be a way to do it. I mean, if if comedy is a way to reach the population, I, I don't really care how we reach people, we just need to reach them. And they did do it respectfully, and um, there was a lot of history in there, too, that they, they were talking about. I think it helped also that the, the uh, people who were portraying these different characters were Jewish. Uh, have you, either of you watched any of the other episodes? I watched part of, did they do Freddie Mercury? Yeah. I watched part of Freddie Mercury. I got bored. Yeah. To be honest, when I first heard about it, I thought it was just a dumb idea, like the, the series in general. I was just yeah, like, I didn't I, like it either. I don't really. Like, I watched the Abraham Lincoln one. Uh, it was very similar in that it was, I would say, more educational than funny, which is almost disappointing. But in another <laughs> way, I, I guess not disappointing. Like, it, it's, it treads such a weird line between education and comedy. There was an MLK episode, right? There was. I do wonder if any people in the uh, black community had any similar forms of outrage. I think the difference between MLK and Anne Frank is that Anne Frank hasn't had an Oscar-winning biopic. And literally, Freddie Mercury, Abraham Lincoln, MLK, Selma snubbed of an Oscar, but nominated for Best Picture, Muhammad Ali, Will Smith, uh, Cleopatra was the other one who was who was in this. And she had one of the biggest films of all time. And Like, everyone else is... Uh, immortalized in books and and Hollywood uh, award-winning films. Uh, and Frank never had a biopic. I feel like there's something. Obviously, it's not directly related to Hollywood, but it it's that she kind of occupies this like untouchable, safe kind of space. You know, she's had plays, and it's it's a little bit more literary. It's not the big fanfare kind of thing. So I think it's she's a bit of an outlier, start to finish in this whole series. So Ella, what did your husband and sister think? Um, first of all, my my sister, uh, as an educator, thought that the piece was good. She thought, like I did, that it was um, a different way to reach a younger audience. My husband was a lot more sensitive. He actually was a big help in, in my research for the Holocaust and uh, writing the book. So he's also uber sensitive when it comes to Holocaust stuff. And uh he had a much harder time coming around. Although at the end, he sort of said, okay, okay, but really, I don't think he liked it. I don't think he liked the episode. I thought he thought felt it was disrespectful and inappropriate. Well, he's not alone. Uh, we did put a, a call out in our last episode and also on Facebook to have uh, listeners and readers of CJN let us know what they thought. I want to read a few of those comments. 
on Facebook. We specifically asked for people who had um, actually watched the episode. I don't know. We'll find out soon if that was the case. But I know there were a lot of comments. People just saw the headline of the CJN news story and, and just shared their no opinion. Doubt. A lot of people mostly just did that. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's totally fair to feel it's inappropriate after watching it. I suppose even before watching it, but certainly it's, you know, credit to you and your husband. Uh, I like this one comment we got on Facebook by a fellow named Moshe. Uh, says, we need to be able to parse here. Haven't seen a single episode, but my take is, I'm not going to read the rest of his comment. Because, <laughs> sorry, Moshe, you didn't, you didn't watch a thing. We're not interested. Another, another person did uh, watch it. Jody uh, watched it and commented, I really didn't think it was funny. And the worst topic they could have possibly picked, especially with the exponential racism against Jewish people in our world, which is worse than the Nazi era, because this phenomena is global. I wonder what Anne Frank would have thought of this or her father. Uh so I know yeah. we were invalidating people for not watching it. I can we also invalidate them for saying this is worse than Nazi era? Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I I, uh, I I just I'm at a loss for words. I don't know that it it isn't right. That's pretty clear that, that well people throw around that word Nazi a lot. I yeah, mean, you know everybody's a Nazi. If they don't like somebody, they're a Nazi. So uh, I have a, a an, an issue with that. There was one other comment by Neil who did seem to have watched it. He says, most tasteless product I have ever seen. Godfrey should be ashamed of himself. I like how a lot of the vitriol is directed at Gilbert Godfrey, not even for playing Hitler. It seems like it's just for being Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everybody who wrote in and let us know what they thought. Uh, please continue to do so. And uh, now that we have a Facebook page and a Twitter account, you can let us know in all sorts of ways. And uh, we'll talk about it on air. When we were trying to decide what we should talk about this episode, Michael, you mentioned that um, there's been a conversation within the Jewish community about the use of the word goy and shiksa and similar apparently pejorative terms that Jews have for non-Jews. And I am not really so aware of some of these arguments. And I said I would defend the use of them without really knowing what you're going to say. So I am you know, happy to listen to them and, and learn. And we'll see. Maybe my mind will be changed. But um, as of now, I like using those words sometimes. I enjoy it. I find it amusing. And I'm, I'm curious to hear what reasons people have for not using them. Oh, young man. <laughs> oh, young man. I was once like you. <laughs> I have changed my ways. But before I get into my story, I do want to hear uh, what Ella has to say. Because as the Ask Ella columnist, this is exactly the kind of thing I think people would, would write in and ask for advice oh, well, on. I actually haven't had this particular question but I think the use of the word goy and shiksa are derogatory. I know that they can be used in jest um, when talking about people. I think Jewish people use them um, often. Um, I think uh, Gentile people don't use them very often unless they are using them um, as, in a derogatory way. I, I'm neither here nor there on it, to be honest. I don't think it's it's... It, it doesn't really affect me. I, I, if somebody said either of those words, I don't think I'd turn my head. Um, I personally don't use either of those words. I don't like them. And uh, that's basically my opinion. But do you think your opinion would be different if you were a shiksa? I wouldn't like it. Neither does my wife, let me tell you. <laughs> I would not like it. How long did it take you to learn that? How many, how many times? More than a year. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I, I also grew up 
hearing these words, I feel like my parents must have said them. I think Seinfeld plays a big uh, a role right, in this, right? right? Schick's appeal is a, is one of the phrases. Um, the appeal of the of the non Jewish woman to to the Jewish guy. Uh, my wife is not Jewish, and I feel like I have referred to her. I don't feel like I have referred to her as as a shiksa throughout our our relationship up until maybe a year or two ago when she said, you know, I don't like when you call me shiksa. I don't like it. It makes me feel awkward and alienated. It's it's rude. I had no idea about any of this, and I did start asking around in the office here at the Canadian Jewish News, and other people said, yeah, it's not a good word to use. It's kind of offensive. Uh, it's it's a word that really creates these boundaries between us and them. And goy is the same way, right? Goy is a, 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 I believe, historically derogatory word that Jews used to refer to non-Jews, I suppose. I don't know what the better word is. Gentiles. Right. Um, and so I, I have stopped using them in in the last year knowing that they are offensive. But I, I didn't know that they were before. So, Alex, now that you know that they are offensive, why would you continue to say them? Uh, well, I guess I should clarify. I like saying goy and goyim a lot and goyasha and all that stuff. I will say I, goyim sounds funnier. Than yeah, god, It's just a lot of fun to say the goyim. That's probably my number one reason. <laughs> but I, I have some other reasons, too. Um, I mean, I actually didn't grow up using those words. My grandparents were, three of them were born in Canada, one born in uh, London, England. So, and my parents don't really use Yiddish words, but I don't know, I've slowly over the last few years been incorporating more into my vocabulary. Uh, I don't know, I, I just like that feeling you get when like, you find a, a way to use a, a nice Yiddish word. To There's <laughs> fabulous Yiddish words out there. You don't have to use goy. So, um, <laughs> I actually don't really use the word shiksa so much because I actually think that plays into like a stereotype that, that could be harmful and, and could be like, you know, I, there, there are things I don't like about it. But in terms of the word Goya, maybe it was meant to be derogatory. Um, maybe that's how it's used historically. Maybe it creates a divide between us and them. Um, for one thing, if you consider Jews a minority group, which we are, I mean, you look at other minority groups' use of language and, and words that they have that might be considered derogatory in other contexts or even in the context in which they use them. But I don't think that any other group... Um, is maybe judged for using their own language. And, and there are some, you know, specific examples. I shouldn't say they're not judged. They are judged. But for the most part, it seems like they're comfortable using it in the way the conversation's gone. There's a, a very specific word I'm talking about that I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> I think that the difference here is that it's not Jews referring to Jews, right? Like, the word goy refers to literally everybody who's not us. Yeah. And so it's not our place, the argument goes to say what is appropriate and what's not. Because it's not like, it might be our word, I mean, but it's not our word like, that we're talking about that. There are Jews that call each other goy. Like, off the top of my head, an example would be somebody sitting down and having uh, uh, a glass of milk with a hamburger. And, sure. and the other person sitting with them who's also Jewish says, you're such a goy. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a Jew calling a Jew a goy, okay? But when you start to take it out of the tribe and call other people, then you are exactly what you said, Michael, causing a boundary. It's a boundary, and Shiksa's a boundary too. It's like, it's you and us. And it's 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 not nice. It's just not nice. We need to do, we, we need to, to try to bridge these gaps more than alienate ourselves more and more. Would you tell, I don't know, Mexican people to not use the word gringo? That's a good correlation. 
I mean, every culture has their word for outsiders. I, I don't know enough about Latin American culture. I did live in South Korea for two years, and there is uh, a word for foreigner in Korean, um, weguk. Okay. And the word weguk has, has been so, sort of appropriated by the English-speaking, you know, a few thousand English-speaking people who live in South Korea. Um, the difference there, and this may also apply to the gringo thing, is that it's more commonly used in that country when you are a guest in their country. There's no, there are like maybe a dozen white people who are born, who are born in South Korea, who are like indigenous to South Korea, right. right? Like it's a Korean country. It's a homogenous country. You are a visitor. So you, yeah, I mean, they call you a foreigner. You are a foreigner. You embrace it, right? As opposed to here, where in, in Canada and in, in uh, the United States, there is no central race or, or, or right? Like, we're, we're moving away from that. We're multicultural. It's not just about us and them. So I feel like to prop up the boundaries here uh, is more dangerous. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a boundary to me, to be honest. I don't think. I think I know that people might use it. Uh, historically is a derogatory term or pejorative but just I don't really feel that way about people who aren't Jewish I don't feel any kind of way about them and just feel like they're also people I just mostly just think it's a funny word that comes from my heritage and like like you said like uh, my roommate called me a goy because like I said our family eats mint jelly when we have lamb chops or something he's like oh that's such a goyish thing to do I just think it's funny you could also and say munch cake <laughs> yeah. I won't call someone a shiksa or a goy if they don't like it I'm not like obsessed or married to the idea of using the word but i don't know within like my jewish friends as long as like we're not talking about anything serious or harmful that's you just said it within my jewish oh friends. i call my non-jewish friends like i'll, I'll use, refer to the goyim too sometimes if they understand what i'm talking about but that's sort of with their consent right yeah I mean, you, you you have that relationship first yeah i don't know i mean maybe it is a little damaging but <laughs> i don't really care that much alex is squirming I mean, in his seat he's sitting in between ella and i he keeps looking left and right yeah. in panic he's saying like, ah, i don't know speaking of how we use language our uh, final subject today do jews really need to worry about this we're going to be chatting about whether or not canada the canadian government is complicit in a genocide against indigenous people, specifically indigenous women and girls who are being murdered at a disproportionate uh, rate to the rest of the country. So to be clear, the only thing that seems to be up for debate is the use of the word genocide. Nobody that I've seen is denied that uh, there's a horrible injustice going on. Um, you can't deny it. Yeah. And nobody has tried to say that this isn't something that the government should take very seriously. It's really just whether or not it constitutes a genocide. Um, and so our, a lot of voices within the Jewish community are, are bringing that issue up, which is why we're asking if Jews need to worry about this use of the word genocide. Yeah, there's a serious concern that if the, the, I, I, the phrase I've heard is the banalization of the word genocide. Mm -hmm. The more you use it, the less it means. It's, it's a desensitization. You, you use a word over and over again, like we talked earlier, the word Nazi. You use that word genocide over and over again, and it suddenly loses its meaning um, to the, the, the main genocides like the Holocaust, like Darfur, like Rwanda. Those are genocides. This is more of, 
I'm not going to say it's 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 a genocide. I'm not. It's it's more. It's a crime. It's a crime against humanity. It's uh, as a as a Jew. I'm not sure I would worry about it. As a human being, I am very worried about it. Um, that is my take on it. I think every single person should be concerned about this. It's an injustice, and it needs to be um, investigated. It needs to be um, whoever needs to be brought up. But is it a genocide? I don't think it's a genocide. But do you think Jews should worry about the use of the word genocide in the report? Like I said, as a, as a Jew, I think anybody, yes, a Jew and a, a, a non-Jew alike should be worried about the word genocide in this report. As a human being, I think you need to worry about the word genocide in this report. The problem with language is we use words to mean similar but related things, and most of the time that's okay. But then uh, in emotionally charged situations or other situations, we run into problems. Uh, an example I like to use is the word racism, which actually has a couple different meanings. Two of the most prominent ones are racial discrimination or discrimination based on race, which is uh, one use of the word racism, and another one is like systemic racism. And the first one, and the reason I bring this up, is the first one can apply to to white people, you can be discriminated against because of your race, right? It might not happen as much as some other people, but it can certainly happen. But the second one, um, in kind of the society that we live in, isn't really a thing. And so when people use those two contrasting definitions of the word racism, they really butt heads and can't see eye to eye, and there's there's no chance of productive conversation. And that's kind of my preface to say that I think there, there seem to be different definitions of genocide as well, such that with one definition, um, what is going on, it doesn't fit that case, but according to some other definitions, it might be useful. The other thing that I, I wonder about is, um, and I'll ask you this, Ella, directly, why do you think it is something to be concerned about what word we use? Because I know you talked about desensitization, but... Yeah, that's why. That's exactly why. It's desensitization. You, you can't keep using a word that is so powerful and so all-encompassing um, for things that, okay, I, you know, a, a murder of a person is a murder of a person and it affects families and it affects people and it affects uh, different races. But there are degrees and um, I don't think this falls into the degree of a genocide of an entire race of a people. I, I think it's important uh, to actually read what the report said uh, I, I apologize up front. This is a block of text, but I just feel like we're talking about their words. We're talking about the meaning of words. So it's, it's you know, due diligence here. Canada is a settler colonial country. European nations, followed by the new government of quote unquote Canada, imposed its own laws, institutions and cultures on indigenous peoples while occupying their lands. Racist colonial attitudes justified Canada's policies of assimilation, which sought to eliminate First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people as distinct people and communities. Colonial violence, as well as racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia against Indigenous women, girls, and 2SLGBTQQIA people has become embedded in everyday life, whether this is through interpersonal forms of violence through institutions like the healthcare system and the justice system, or in the laws, policies, and structures of Canadian society. The result has been that many Indigenous people have grown up normalized to violence, while Canadian society shows an appalling apathy to addressing the issue. 
the National Enquiry finds this amounts to genocide. Apathy is not genocide. That's the word they use there, is it not? They, they said the Canadian society shows appalling apathy. I think there's a few things that are interesting to note. One is if you look, I, I think everything that they say uh, factually is is correct. Like, we're, we're not talking about necessarily the last hundred years, but when uh, colonists first came here, they did try to destroy indigenous culture. They did try to destroy the language, the people. They stole the land. I think that is genocide. The aftermath, the historic aftermath of how that's played out in the last hundred years, which is this, norm, as they say, normalization of violence. Um, the indigenous uh, residential school system is another example of that that's, that's a key element of this. They're lumping that in with the historic atrocities and saying the whole thing is a genocide. And the missing and, 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 and our um, attitudes toward missing and murdered indigenous women is, is complicit in that. It's a little bit more ambiguous. I think there's there's two big takeaways that I have from this. One is that obviously when they threw in the word genocide, they wanted to make a big splash. They needed people to like, they wanted to say, look at what's going on here, right? They wanted to get people's attention and they did. And, and we're having this debate and the debate's going on in every newspaper. But to be clear, I, I do think they honestly believe it's a genocide. They're no not, question. Yeah. I, they, they didn't just throw the word in, but they knew what they were doing when they used the language. The problem that I see, which is the second big takeaway, is is the approach that says this is not a genocide, as you say, Ella, but it is an issue. I worry that when too many people take that approach, it's saying, whoa, 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 this isn't a genocide. Like, we're not complicit in genocide, but it is a serious issue we should look at. And and that all, that, that stance dampens the impact a little bit. I think it creates an environment where we risk, where we do risk becoming more apathetic because we think, oh, something should be done about this, right? And, and you're right, Michael, and, and something should be done about this, but it's not a genocide. But when they use this language, I think it creates that kind of, um, it creates an atmosphere of urgency, which is needed. It does. It does. And if that's, the, the, if that's their purpose, then they've succeeded. But you're asking me if we should be concerned about using the word genocide for this particular case. And I don't think it's a genocide. So I think what's interesting is I I agree with Michael that I think looking back in history, there were definitely elements of genocide that I, I uh, took a lot of notes that you can't, based on some of the different definitions, like, for there, example. There are 28 definitions on Wikipedia, yeah. by the way. So a lot of this boils down to semantics. So, for example, the forcible transfer of children from one group to another is still listed as a condition of genocide under the UN's Genocide Convention. So Canada had the residential schools in the 60s scoop where they just, you know, tried to demolish indigenous culture by taking forcibly removing children from their families, things like that. Um, so if you want to... Um group all kinds of things into that word genocide, you're washing it down and desensitizing it even more. Right, but this is the United Nations Genocide Convention. This is United me. Nations. I don't want to even talk okay. about United Nations. <laughs> okay, that's, that's fair. But um, even if you don't think that cultural genocide, or if that counts as genocide, if it's uh, not physical harm, um, which is, again, a different definition, we won't get into that. But there was also uh, physical genocide where they were just killing people with bounties on the heads of uh, Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia. They were giving smallpox-infused blankets to communities just to kill them off, to take their land, because they were different people. So at one point, I mean, you know, that's 
That's horrible. I didn't know that. Yeah. So at one point there was like, even by like the, the strictest definition of genocide, there were attempts at, at uh, genocide. I think the question is, because a lot of people have been pointing to the word intent and certainly the intent isn't there like it was in the past, but people disagree with me on that as well. I, I don't think like the, the current government still wants to kill people off, but whatever, uh, not whatever. But, <laughs> whatever. But, but my point is, what happens if, where do you draw the line between what was genocide in the past um, and the effects of it that even if they're not being continuously perpetrated in the same way have still not been resolved and it doesn't seem like they're going to be resolved anytime soon. Right. Where, where in history does the genocide end? Was it with the end of the residential school system? Or is it once we solve the missing and murdered indigenous women thing? That's kind of what they're pointing at is, is it hasn't quite ended yet. Um, I just want to wrap this up. Ella, you say yes, Jews should worry about yes. the word genocide. Alex, do you think Jews should worry about this? I think people can respond to the use of the word genocide however they want. I think what's most important is that we respond to the mistreatment of indigenous people. So it's not so important I, to me how people respond to the use of the word genocide. I also think Jews don't need to worry about this, but mostly because I don't think one tragedy diminishes another. Uh, I think if they were calling this a holocaust, we would be having a very different conversation right now. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to Ella for appearing on our podcast. I was just saying to you, Michael, that uh, I think it made it a much more interesting episode and discussion to instead of just listening to us agree with each other in increasingly convoluted ways. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question. We need, we need more people who are older than us and we need more women. If you are either of those things and you want to be on the podcast, hit me up. Send me an email. Uh, my email is mframen at the cjn.ca. I'd love to hear any comments you have. Uh, it really is that easy. <laughs> it really is that easy. Um, we also uh, want your feedback in any other way. You can find us now on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle on both is CJN Podcasts. That's the CJN Podcast Network in general. And you can find us online at cjnews.com slash podcasts. Our intro music is by Vanya Zhuk, and our outro music is by Lache Swing. I edited this podcast. Uh, we both produce it. My name is Michael Freeman. I'm Alex Rose, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.